Welcome back to a playoff edition now of Down to the Wire again, alongside my NHL analyst Nolan Tho. Nolan, uh, what uh, you know? I guess welcome to Down to the Wire playoff edition. How are you doing today? I'm I'm hyped. You know, playoffs are you know around us. Everyone's kind of feeling the energy. You know, there's a few regular season games, uh, regular season games that we got to get through this week. But you know, for the most part, it's just you know everyone's mind is focusing on the playoff hockey, and you know we've gotten a couple of treats of games so far. And, you know, uh, speaking on that regular season uh, game that you mentioned, uh, the Flames choked a 5-1 lead. Like, you know, let's not uh, have the Tampa-Florida game disguise the fact that the Flames almost blew a 5-1 lead. They won 6-5 in overtime. They recovered after Alex Edler scored his 100th goal in his own net. Uh, You know, it was a centering pass from Elias Lindholm and deflected off Edler and back into the net. But, you know... Uh, Habs and Leafs Thursday, uh, first time in over 70 years that we got this. Uh, and, you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a thrilling series. Uh, you know, I, I just can't wait for it. There's a lot of anticipation. Uh, a lot, there has to be a lot of buildup. And, you know, we have to make, since, you know, Canada doesn't have fans in the stands, we have to make sure that social media, you know, we're hammering social media. You know, we're, we're tagging our relief friends uh, in comments, you know, basically showing our pride, our team pride, because we can't do it in arenas, you know, and I, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere of the Bell Center would be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even all four Canadian teams, you look at the Oilers, Jets, Maple Leafs and Canadians, those are four pretty loyal, you know, fan bases that are going to pack the rink come playoff time. And, you know, we, we've seen over the weekend that, you know, the American crowds, even though they're limited capacity, have had, you know, some impact on the game, you know, just that energy is just, you can't make it you can't make up for it anywhere else so you know like you said just getting on social media and letting the letting the players know that the fans are behind them in these series you know it's going to be important well uh, you know getting into our weekly headlines here on monday uh, jack eichel uh, had his uh, press conference and that was basically the talk of the town on monday before kevin adams went to the podium on uh, wednesday i believe but eichel you know there was basically the one quote he said there's been a bit of a disconnect between the organization and myself i want to be healthy to play hockey next year wherever that may be uh you know and let the uh let the eichel rumors begin because simply uh that quote basically tells everyone like you know the management having a disconnect between the star player of your team that's never a good thing it's never a good sign so you know it looks like Eichel could be departing the Buffalo Sabres this offseason yeah you know and like you said let the rumors begin pretty much since that day you know a lot of rumors have been coming out you know Eichel to specific teams for specific packages and it's just crazy to think that you know a superstar talent like Jack Eichel himself is you know kind of on market uh I'm not sure you know what the, the GM of the Sabres is planning on doing, but, you know, Eichel just seems that there's a little bit of a disconnect, like you said, you know, and just that relationship, you know, might, might be too late to fix it. And speaking of the pr- trade packages, you know, a lot of people are saying, um, okay, well, for the Washington Capitals, this player is un- is an untouchable. But, I mean, like, this is Jack Eichel. He is regarded as one of the best next one of the next best American hockey players in the National Hockey League right now. And, you know, there's no untouchables in a trade for Jack Eichel, who went second overall behind McDavid, who's in a league of his own. And, you know, it's just crazy to me. It's mind-boggling to me that people would even say that 
you know, player A is isn't untouchable. Like, no, everything's on the board. Everything's on the table because you're getting a stud center in return. Exactly. Like Jack Eichel, that's a guy who's going to sell tickets. He's going to, you know, bring bring traction to the team wherever, you know, it may be. So the package that, you know, if he does end up getting traded is going to have to be, you know, pretty substantial in order for, you know, the Sabres to consider moving him. And it's almost like the Ryan O'Reilly situation uh, that the Sabres had around five years ago uh, when they traded him. I think it was five years. Uh, And, you know, just two, you know, disgruntled players saying like, listen, I hate the losing. I wanted to stop. And it seems like, you know, this season we saw a perfect example of that losing culture has now snuck into the locker room and basically taken over the players' abilities to even play. Yeah, exactly. I think the comparison to O'Reilly is pretty solid. You know, Ryan O'Reilly, when he was in Buffalo, there was a quote, you know, that sticks with me that he said he just, you know, stopped having fun playing hockey, you know, and, and as, as a professional athlete, if you, if you lose, you know, your love for the sport, it's really going to impact you. And, you know, it did impact O'Reilly and he was able to go and find a home in St. Louis and, you know, win a cup in his first year. So I'm sure he's, you know, fell back in love with the game. We see him, he's put on a couple of great seasons since being with St. Louis, but yeah, Jack Eichel, you know, hopefully his love for the game's still there. It's been a tough year for him, you know, not just the Sabres success, but, you know, he was injured coming into the season and, you know, never really got back to 100%. Not to mention O'Reilly also won the Conn Smythe as well. So not a big deal, not a big deal for Buffalo. But the thing is, the way I see it with the potential Eichel trade is there's no way for Kevin Adams to feel like he won the trade. The outcome of an Eichel trade is that you're always going to lose it, in my opinion. There, you know, you can. I just don't know what a potential Eichel trade could look like until I see it in front of my eyes. No, exactly. Like you look at the Eric Carlson trade, and you know, at the time being, you know, a lot of people looked at that as you know, Ottawa was getting not really much of a package, but, you know, you gave it a couple of years and Josh Norris was a piece, a part of that deal. And the, you know, the pick ended up being Tim Stutzla. So, you know, maybe Sabres fans might be mad at the trade right away, but, you know, give it a couple of years and, you know, let's see what Adams can, you know, make with the pieces that are returning. My Montreal Canadiens got some injury updates uh, on Monday. And so Gallagher was practicing. Uh, He was in a non-contact jersey at the time. And, you know, his shooting was actually going really well. Uh, Carey Price is back with the team practicing. Um, Obviously, at the time, they didn't make a return to the regular season. And Paul Byron is back in the lineup. And uh, the Bell line, the Byron, Evans, and Lekkonen line, um, you know, they had a really good start. Uh, against Edmonton. I'm not sure if you saw those two games, but, uh, you know, they they literally drove the offense, the complete offense for one entire game. Like, that's how good. You, you're thinking, like, the bell line with Byron. Like, man, these guys are third-line players, essentially. You know, these guys aren't your first-line superstars, and they drove the offense an entire game. So I found that quite impressive. Yeah, you know, all three of the guys on that line, you know, are effort guys, you know, maybe they're not as skilled as the next guy, but, you know, they've got some speed and, you know, they're always going to be giving it their all. So Byron's, you know, a great addition back to the Habs lineup just in time for the playoffs. Ryan Lindgren uh, for the New York Rangers signed a three-year extension worth three mil uh, per year. So, uh, you know, I thought this signing was, you know, good by New York. I think he's going to be, you know, a bottom six player that can kind of chip in. Uh, you know, and that's what I think, you know, playoff teams need, right? Like deep play, you know, when you go into a deep run, you expect your depth to contribute. And, you know, with New York getting, uh, you know, a new coach and a potentially new GM, whether Chris Drury stays or not, um, you know, I think Lindgren is a good 
piece down there uh, for the bottom six. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Rangers, they're just trying to keep as much as, you know, their current core as they can. I think, you know, they got a, they got a solid, you know, group right now. And, you know, just keeping retaining all these guys is important. You know, you don't want to be losing any because, you know, when you're losing the coach and the GM and stuff, you know, a lot of turnover can really hurt a team. And, you know, for the Rangers, they're kind of, you know, making their way out of their, you know, quote unquote rebuild. And, you know, they're going to want to keep all their pieces, you know, heading into the next couple of seasons. The Capitals are planning for uh, 25% capacity of fans, uh, you know, starting last week. And actually they're hoping to expand to 100% capacity for playoffs. So, you know, I, I love to see the fact that, uh, you know, the American teams are, you know, opening up their buildings more vaccinations down there are going superb, well, superbly well, really well, uh, you know, to get those fans back in the stands. And man, uh, you know, we talked about the atmosphere at the top of the show and, you know, the, uh, the atmosphere at Verizon Center when Ovi scores or, you know, even Oshi, like it, it goes wild. Yeah, no, like the Capitals for the, as long as I can remember, you know, feed off of that, you know, crowd energy, you know, they got a, you know, a wild goal horn kind of thing. I just have memories of, you know, Capitals, especially in 2018, when they made their cup run, just, you know, the fans being behind them. And last year in the bubble, you know, they struggled against the Islanders. And I think, you know, a lot of that was credited to the fact that, you know, they didn't have the fans in the building. And, you know, they're a team that plays off that energy a lot. And so, you know, for them to be working their way back to 100%, it's just really good for the team. Uh, so uh, Bill Daly actually did an interview uh, with an NHL.com senior writer, I believe. And, uh, you know, he said that the Canadian division playoffs won't start until Wednesday, May 19th at the earliest, which means that we have to wait until the Calgary and Vancouver useless series uh, ends, uh, even though there was a big lead that was uh, collapsed. Either way, uh, the NHL has applied for a national national interest exemption with the Public Health Agency of Canada and the federal government of Canada that would allow U.S.-based teams and Canada-based teams to return from the U.S. without quarantine. Daily expects the number of fans to increase for the American teams in the playoffs. The NHL is working on gathering prospects in early July to serve at least some of the function of the NHL Combine. Uh, as we know, the draft is held July 23rd and 24th. Uh, it's going to be held virtually. And the NHL is hoping to go back as normal as possible. It's going to revert to the 2018-19 schedule, which means that there are wildcard playoffs. And, uh, you know, that was the last season before the pandemic. So, you know, it's great to see uh, that the four main leagues, NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, are going to be as normal as possible during their next uh, seasons. Yeah, you know, just going back to normality has, you know, been the main focus for these leagues. And uh, we've gotten a champion, like I've mentioned before, in each of the four leagues within the last year, which is pretty incredible. But, you know, working our way back, you know, I think they're, like we've mentioned before on the show, they're targeting, you know, October 2021 to start the next season. And, you know, that's that's the time that we're used to seeing. As for the draft, you know, it's being held virtually. And, you know, that's probably the safest thing. But, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the NFL was able to, you know, have somewhat of an event in downtown Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I think the NHL has been looking at the other leagues uh, just kind of as, you know, to something to model off of. And, and I think, yeah, you know, they're, they're slowly working their way back. And I think, you know, uh, fans have a reason to be optimistic. And one thing, one note that I just want to add is I wonder if the NHL, because I think the NFL is going to continue to have players in their houses celebrating when they get picked, which is what we saw last week. 
or a couple of weeks ago when the draft did happen. So I wonder if the NHL will follow suit and say, all right, well, we're going to invite 25 or, you know, 32, whatever, 60 players that could go in the first round. Um, and, you know, if you want to celebrate at home, just let us know. Because uh, it's something to consider. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, when you grow up dreaming of playing in the NHL, one of those big moments is, you know, when you get drafted, when you, you know, go up on stage, you know, put the jersey on, take the photo. So, you know, these players, you know, from the 2020 draft weren't able to have that. And, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit of it in the 2021 draft. The Predators announced they are welcoming 12,000 fans, which is around 70% capacity for the playoffs. Uh, You know, once again, uh, even Smashville, like, man, uh, the chance of, you know, the goalie's name followed by you suck. uh, That is amazing. I missed that. I can't wait to get back to that this postseason. Exactly. You know, we saw in 2017 how much, you know, the Nashville crowd, you know, had an impact on games. I think, you know, that that specific, you know, cup run, they obviously lost to the Penguins in the finals, but kind of put them on the map, you know, made fans realize that they had, you know, a supportive fan base in Nashville. So I think, you know, they need all the help they can get against Carolina. And I think having the fans, you know, is going to help them do that. Like we've been seeing around the NFL, I should say, with teams encouraging uh, their citizens uh, from the town to get vaccinated, the Philadelphia Flyers hosted a vaccine at Wells Fargo Center for the season finale. Uh, Ticketed fans who will uh, receive a shot got two free tickets to select Flyers games. So that's just another, uh, you know, sign saying like, all right, go get vaccinated. We want to get past this pandemic. We want to survive this war, essentially. And, you know, I think that the Flyers with, you know, giving away two free tickets, like that's such an incentive to get vaccinated. Exactly. You know, I think everyone, you know, wants to get out of this. So there's enough reason to get vaccinated that. But, you know, just put on top of it, you know, free tickets to a Flyers game. I think, you know, any fan's going to show up just to take the deal. I had some notes about the Habs and Oilers game on Monday. So Paul Byron hit 200 career points. Ryan McLeod, he was looking really dangerous. He was playing on a line with Neil and um, I forget who else was out there. But, uh, you know, that third line for the Oilers there with Ryan McLeod, he was looking really dangerous, I thought. So if they continue that momentum into the playoffs, I mean, Winnipeg may have their hands full trying to defend them. And it was said during the uh, first intermission that, if Mark Bergevin is extended by Jeff Molson, uh, he is likely to keep Ducharme as his head coach. That's from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, and, you know, we have to remember that Mark Bergevin still has one year left on his deal. So Jeff Molson, the owner, could opt to wait out the year and see what he does in this offseason. But, you know, uh, the headlines are that Mark Bergevin's head is on the chopping block. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of lot of GMs and coaches can be on the chopping block going into the playoffs. And I think, you know, the Habs can have any success against the Leafs. I think Bergevin keeps his job. And even if they do lose to the Leafs, I feel like he's somewhat secure just because, you know, they made the playoffs this year. Um, you know, it will revert back to normal divisions next year. And maybe you can take a look at, you know, his situation then. Peyton Krebs uh, fractured his jawline and had it surgically repaired yesterday and is out indefinitely the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, one of their top prospects. And, you know, they're currently in a series down one nothing to Minnesota. And, man, like, you know, they're without Pacioretty, who, which is, you know, kind of a big blow to their top six. He had great chemistry with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone. So this is yet another injury to the Golden Knights, who, you know, we thought were cup favorites. Yeah, you know, any injury hurts, even if it's, you know, a depth guy. And that's the kind of role that Krebs has, 
you know, had in the games that he's played, you know, around like 10, 12 minutes. Um, but exactly, you know, they're missing Pacioretty already. And, uh, you know, Cam Talbot had a fantastic game, but, you know, they didn't score a single goal in the first game. So they can't rely on Marc-Andre Fleury every game to, you know, have have the performance that he did. And, you know, the goals are going to need to come in order for them to make a deep cup run. Pekka Rene made a 30-save shutout against the Canes in likely his last game in a Preds uniform if they do rely on UC Saros in their playoff run. Um, so, you know, it, it really sucks that the Preds made the finals in 2017 and didn't get him the cup. Uh, it just, again, goes to show that, you know, the Stanley Cup is one of the hardest trophies to win. And, you know, not everyone gets a shot at it. Mm, exactly. You know, some younger fans may not realize, but Pekka Rene, you know, has been an elite goalie, you know, maybe not within the last five years, but, you know, he, he won a Vesna trophy, you know, I think in 2017, 18, the year that they won the president's trophy, but, you know, a great goalie, fantastic career. And I think, you know, if it is his last game, you know, ended on a shutout end on a high note and, you know, maybe the team's able to do something in the playoffs with him right in the bench. Moving on to Tuesday notes, uh, Paul Stasny played his 1,000th game and, you know, he's 37, I believe, and he's playing top six minutes and, you know, that's a pretty, and, and he's actually, you know, he still has the speed, I feel, and the playmaking ability to keep up with, you know, the Nick Ehlers, the Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets, and that kind of surprises me. Yeah, exactly. You know, Paul Stastny has the hockey IQ, uh, you know, that never really runs out of players. But, you know, typically you start to see them, you know, age a little bit. And, you know, he's a thousand games in and he still looks pretty sharp. And he's, you know, able to fit into that Winnipeg top six, like you said. Pennsylvania is going to increase to 50% capacity starting today, actually on May 17th when we are recording. So that means that, you know, Pittsburgh, the igloo is going to be completely, it's going to be, you know, 50% full. And, you know, once again, I, American, uh, you know, arenas are filling their barns and you know, I'm getting, you know, I'm jacked up for game two of that Islanders and Penn series. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're down 1-0. The Islanders already took one game on the road, so the fans got to be loud, and the Penguins have to bring the energy if they want to tie that series up. And, you know, just to note there, like, I we had two goals in under, uh, you know, five minutes right there in the third period. And, you know, mm -hmm. I thought the Penguins and Islanders, you know, they played a phenomenal game. Uh, we'll get to it because, uh, you know, Ilya Sorokin, uh, you know, he was making huge saves. But, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good response by Kasperi Kapanen, uh, who, you know, scored 31 seconds later after uh, J.G. Pajot put them up 3-2. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, a, a late goal, you know, in the third when it's a tie game can kind of defeat your team. But, you know, they were able to rebound and send it to overtime. You know, obviously they lost, but, you know, it proves that they're kind of, you know, ready and tested in those situations. And, you know, they're ready to counteract and in case they have to face those ever again. According to Aaron Portsline of The Athletic, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, the Blue Jackets are actually open to trading Patrick Laine after his miserable season. Uh, and, you know, this doesn't really surprise me, um, simply because, you know, he didn't really fit into Tortorella's system. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, Tortorella, he has a super defensive-minded guy, uh, you know, doesn't really promote offense. But, you know, maybe with the new coach, uh, they can – find a way to get that talent out of line a 
Exactly. You know, I'm hoping that they make the right hire and it's able to, you know, kind of, you know, revamp this Columbus team. And, you know, they have some pieces that, you know, if they have the right coach and the right system that could, you know, mesh well together and we could see them back in the playoffs. But, you know, next season is going to be pretty crucial for Columbus because, you know, they have a few key key pieces. And, you know, if they're unsuccessful, they might, you know, want want to have a way out. And uh, Line A came out to a Finnish news outlet uh, about the past uh, season, just reflecting on it. And some things could have been lost in translation, but, you know, his quote says, you won't see me in the world uh, because of this season. I can't even stand a game of hockey. It was an absolutely miserable experience team-wise and personally. Only good thing is that the season is over. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And, you know, what people, uh, I think what people forget is that the Blue Jackets kind of went on a 10-game losing streak. And it was almost getting as bad as Buffalo because I remember Elvis Merz Lincolns going out to the media saying, okay, well, I don't want this to be as bad as Buffalo. And, uh, you know, when Buffalo is a standard set for losing, uh, A, you know, that's bad for the Sabres and just how well they've performed, how badly they've performed over the past couple of seasons. And B, uh, you know, know, just other players are paying attention to what's happening around the league and they don't want that losing culture to get into their locker room. Mm, You know, I I think we expected, you know, at some point Columbus to have a season like this, you know, last year, you know, they lost Bobrovsky, Panarin, Duchesne, Dezingle, lots of pieces in the offseason and people were expecting them to, you know, be at the bottom of the Metro, but, you know, they found a way into that play in, you know, beat Toronto and then lost to Tampa in the first round, but you know, a successful season, you know, when they didn't have much talent on the roster. So, you know, they did end up taking the step back this year and, you know, hopefully they're able to come out of it, you know, stronger, you know, a top draft pick might be a good thing for the franchise. Well, we have an original six uh, playoff matchup, Toronto and Montreal for uh, this Thursday at 7.30 PM, uh, like we mentioned, uh, but it's the first time since 1979. And during that playoff run, Montreal swept Toronto in the second round. It went on to win the cup. So, You know, if history repeats, uh, it looks uh, good for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, you know, I I think pretty much every single player on the Leafs team, I guess with the exception of Joe Thornton, probably wasn't born the last time that these two teams played. But um, uh, maybe even Jumbo, I'm not sure the exact year he was born. But yeah, I'm just hoping for a competitive series. I think everyone is just because, you know, I think all the matchups, you know, on paper, you know, look pretty good. And we've we've started to see some of them in action. And, you know, it's just an exciting playoffs. And, you know, you, you just don't want there to be any imbalance within any series. This is the first season that Alex Ovechkin hasn't finished with 30-plus goals. And, you know, he has made a name for himself in the Rocket Richard trophy race every season that he's played. And, you know, it's quite surprising that he didn't finish with 30-plus goals. Yeah, you know, you just expect Ovi to hit that milestone every year. It's just, you know, kind of his thing. But, you know, obviously it was a shortened year and he missed some time. But, you know, he had, I I believe, 24 or 25 goals this season. Uh, And then his career low, other than that, I think he had like 33 one year. But, you know, just an elite goal scorer. And, you know, he he had to rest a little bit, but maybe it was just for the playoffs. On Wednesday, uh, you know, we had Kawhi Leonard uh, creating the shot two years ago. So, Nolan, my question to you is where were you for Kawhi's Leonard shot? So I was at work and I was in the back room. So we have this TV in the workroom. It doesn't work anymore. But I remember, you know, every shift I had during that Raptors playoff run, the first thing I would do is I would show up, 
you know, 15 minutes early for my shift so I could go get the TV on the right channel. And, you know, whenever it wasn't busy, I'd be, you know, going back and forth and checking the game. And, you know, it was just a nice experience to share with some of my coworkers. And, you know, we went crazy in the back. We were running around the store and, you know, the Raptors were able to, you know, finish things off and win the championship. So just, you know, a great memory. And, you know, I think, you know, everyone kind of remembers where they were, you know, I'll ask the same question to you. I, I was actually at work and, you know, I'm not a huge NBA fan uh, and, and that's really well known. But the weird thing is um, I was coming out from a break and I had the game. I, I think I had it on the score app. Uh, shout out to them. They do a phenomenal job. Uh, but I had, you know, the phone loaded up on the score app and I was just refreshing it because, uh, you know, obviously the talk of the town was game seven, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Raptors 76 or yeah, 76ers. Um, and, you know. I, I was just refreshing it, trying to keep up with the score. And, you know, um, one of the people that, you know, that works around the store, I don't work with them. So I don't consider, they weren't in my department. So I wouldn't consider them a official coworker, but one of the other people working in the other department, I don't even know her name. Uh, I refreshed the score. She asked like, oh, do they win? I'm like, yep, they won. Uh, it was a buzzer beater. And I and, like, honestly, I thought it was like a foul shot or something. Like uh, I, I didn't think it was that massive. And then I, you know, I go on Twitter and all I see is just Kawhi Leonard highlights of the shot. And we had, you know, at, I worked at Walmart at the time and we had this Raptors guy. So I, uh, you know, I, I walked to the back, right? So I, I'm on the floor and I'm probably in the back room. I worked produce. So I, I'm in the back room. I, I, you know, refresh Twitter and, you know, I see the highlight of Kawhi Leonard. So then, you know, I kind of sneak away because it was at like 9 p.m. and Walmart closes at 11. I don't know what the hell they're doing, closing the store at 11. And um, so I go to the break room and I, you know, I show this Raptors guy like, hey, like Kawhi Leonard won. So I show him the shot and we were both amazed at it. But yeah. That's my story of Kawhi Leonard's The Shot. Yeah, exactly. You know, just all of Canada was, you know, kind of, you know, a part of that, you know, in, in their own little way. Getting back into the NHL news, uh, the New York Rangers uh, fired David Quinn and, you know, all of his, assi- all of his assistants. Uh, and I think like, you know, some of the, I think some of the training staff got fired. Like they cleaned house, uh, you know, and they said that a search will begin immediately. Uh, and, you know, Chris Drury, I think, said, like, there was some disconnect in the room or there was some insider that said that. So, um, you know, that's that's massive news to say that there's a disconnect in the room. So, you know, not only is there a disconnect in Buffalo's room, but there's also one in New York. So it's definitely not looking too good. No, for sure. I, I think the, you know, the firing, I, I kind of agree with it. You know, I, I know from Rangers fans that, you know, they've had some disagreements with some of the things that Quinn has done in his tenure. But I think the part that, you know, I think you and I are most excited about is, you know, y- you know, Panarin and Zabinajad are cr- going to perform. But, you know, these these young guys, you know, the Capococos, Lafreniere, you know, Philip Schiedel, you know, how, how are they going to perform under a new coach? You know, are they going to excel? You know, are they going to take that next step? And if so, this Rangers team is going to look super dangerous. Habs rookie Jesse Alonin made his NHL debut on Wednesday. And, you know, that was with uh, the Habs resting most of their players. And for some reason, the Oilers started Mike Smith and they still played Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, even though with injury risk, uh, you know, we saw that with TJ Oshie and, you know, how he was uh, a game time decision. Uh, So that like the Bruins rested all of their like top six on forward top, like like maybe some middle six players, top four on D. And, you know, it just amazes me that, 
you know, Ken Holland and Dave Tippett really didn't rest any of their star players. Yeah, I think I think there's two, you know, ways to look at it. I think one, there was a little bit of stat padding, you know, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl are having incredible seasons, you know, as always. And, you know, just adding some point totals never hurts. Um, but also, you know, the, the Oilers last year, you know, ha- were having a great regular season and then, you know, the pause happened and they weren't able to find that same game against the Blackhawks. So, you know, perhaps they're kind of trying to avoid that, you know, and just kind of trying to keep their players, you know, kind of in just game shape and, you know, moving along with the regular season. Sabres GM Kevin Adams had a press conference. Uh, he said that Eichel has not requested for a trade. Uh, he says that Granado is ready for the job. And, you know, he and staff did a tremendous job under challenging circumstances. Uh, the team is worrying about Eichel getting surgery because there are not many NHL players that come back from cervical disc replacement surgery. And uh, Adam said, you know, never said during the presser that uh, the word rebuild. So, uh, you know, maybe Adams doesn't consider it a rebuild uh, since the Sabres have been in one for, you know, close to seven years, eight years, if you want to say it. Um, But yeah, you know, that's just the Kevin Adams press conference. Yeah, I think, you know, to point, to point out Granado, I think, you know, he, he did re- do a really good job as the head coach. And I feel like, you know, the players, you know, it was a different team under him than, you know, in the early season with Ralph Kruger. And, uh, you know, I think he's the right guy for the job, you know, and, you know, they're moving with him moving forward. I think, you know, it's the smart thing. And yeah, you know, the, the word rebuild is kind of like the boogeyman around Buffalo, uh, you know, the Bills finally broke out of theirs, you know, a couple seasons ago. And, you know, the, Haber- the Sabres are hoping for the same. And just to add to your Granada point there, I thought Granada did a really good job trying to get the best out of his players uh, during the circumstances that they were put in, right? So coaching change, dealing with COVID, uh, you know, dealing with players that may have even just quit on the season, right? Like their attitude towards the game might not have been the best, but Granada made sure to get the best out of the get the best out of them. No, exactly. I agree. Sean Monahan is done for the season, requiring season-ending uh, hip surgery. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that the Flames are going into a rebuild, and I agree. You know, uh, Goudreau and Monahan uh, have had multiple uh, coaches, and you know they haven't had you know much playoff success. So it's it's you know it's a, he's a possible trade chip this off season. He has 28 points in 50 games. And I can definitely see Monaghan and Goudreau and even Pride Tree Living just gone, uh, not a part of the Flames next season. Yeah, exactly. I think that might be what, you know, the Flames need. Obviously, you never want to look at blowing up a blowing up a team, but, you know, they have pieces and they might be able to get stuff in return. And, you know, I think uh, Johnny Goudreau has, you know, one or two years left. And, you know, for a guy from, you know, America, from the Boston, uh, not from Boston, from like the New Jersey area, uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia area, you know, I, I don't know how much he wants to stay in Calgary his whole career. So maybe get some assets for him before he leaves you for nothing. Seattle Kraken made their first ever signing uh, as they signed Luke uh, Henman. He had 43 points in 32 games played in the QMJHL with Blainville Boisbriand. Uh, Ron Francis drafted him back in 2018, but he went unsigned. So, you know, that's kind of my thought. Like, he didn't really uh, want to make the same mistake twice. And it's kind of funny uh, that Ron Francis, uh, you know, signs the same guy he drafted. 
yeah, he's familiar with him. And, you know, I, I think it was a solid signing, you know, shout out Reed Duke, the first ever, you know, Vegas Golden Knight ever. But, you know, I, I think I'm hoping for Henman to, you know, potentially have a spot on this Vegas team in the future, you know, even if it's for a couple games. But, you know, Reed Duke was never able to play for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, we're just hoping that this guy can, you know, play for the Kraken just because I think, you know, he'd be a fan favorite instantly. Marco Rossi uh, got the green light to resume skating and training. And, you know, he's been on the road to recovery from COVID-19. He, you know, he got decimated by it, essentially. Uh, you know, we had that quote a couple of weeks ago about how he thought he was going to die and how, you know, his dad, uh, how he wanted his dad to stay with him by his bedside. And, you know, this just brings great news. Uh, the Wild are becoming more fun to watch. Like if you put Rossi alongside of Kaprizov, uh, you know, and maybe you find that center there, like, or I don't even know, I, I is, is Rossi a center? There's my lapse of knowledge right there. Um, but yeah, uh, the Wild are becoming more fun to watch is my point. No, exactly. You know, he, he had a fantastic season in the OHL last year, you know, part of the reason why he was able to, you know, jump up draft boards and, you know, some people even had him mocked in the top five, but, you know, he, he falls to Minnesota and I think they have a great piece there, you know, obviously had a terrible season this year just because dealing with COVID-19, I think, you know, it, it just had such an impact on him, but, you know, hopefully he's able to get out of it and just be that great prospect and, you know, just a great piece for the future for the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, so he's a he's a, a budding center. Uh, you know, he he's a star for them. And you know, I thought that Zuccarello had great chemistry with Kaprizov. So you put those two on your wing, and then you get uh, Marco Rossi down the middle. I mean, that could be certainly a lethal line if they gel together. No, for sure. And then you got a guy like Joel Eriksson-Eck, you know, playing that second line, you know, more shut down two-way role. I think you know the Minnesota Wild. You know, for the first time in a very long time, people are looking at a bright future in there. Parker, Parker Kelly uh, scored his first NHL goal for the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, I, I don't really know too much about uh, Parker Kelly here. I didn't even know he got called up, but, you know, I decided to make this noteworthy since he was a, a rookie making his debut. And, you know, that sense team, it's, you know, a lot of young pieces are there. If they could have, you know, some good veterans to stopgap them until, you know, the the young become mature. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited for the Senators uh, these next upcoming seasons. Yeah, the Ottawa, you know, their trainers definitely got some practice on his handwriting, writing on all these pucks. You know, I feel like they've gotten a lot of firsts this year. So, you know, bright future for Ottawa for sure. A hundred NHL games for Kale McCarr. And, you know, we, you know, we're, we're basically growing up with McCarr and his you know, in his prime, he's a young stud defenseman for Colorado, and they're poised for another deep playoff run. Yeah, you know, Kel McCarr, he, he made his debut in the playoffs against Calgary in uh, 2019, I believe. And, you know, he just looked sharp. You know, he came straight from UMass. Uh, they were in the, the college finals. I'm not sure if they won or lost, but, you know, he came straight over and made an impact right away. Had a great rookie season winning the, you know, Calder Trophy. And, you know, I think it's inevitable for him to get a Norris, you know, within the next five or ten years. On Thursday, the OHL announced that October 7th is the set date for puck drop. And, you know, both of us can agree that, you know, we've been waiting for this. You know, there have been multiple dates that have been thrown out, but they've always been pushed back. So, you know, we can never say that it's for sure until it happens. But, you know, at least the OHL has somewhat of a more concrete plan. 
No, yeah, it's just nice to see that they actually put like an official date on something. Uh, yeah, you know, just next season's going to be big for a lot of guys. You know, they weren't able to get this season to prove anything. And, you know, for the guys, you know, that are going to be drafted in 2022, you know, it's their last chance and uh, it's going to be a great season, hopefully, you know, when everything gets back to normal. The 2022 Memorial Cup is also set for June 2nd to June 12th. So again, uh, great news there. And, you know, we simply can't wait to get back uh, into those arenas. And, you know, going with the, on that point, uh, you know, with the Bulldogs, uh, you know, right near me, I'm like 20 minutes away. So, yeah, uh, I simply can't wait. I miss the buzz of the city. No, exactly. You know, it's just the atmosphere, you know, going to a nice OHL game. It's it's not like an NHL game where the game's, the, you know, the most important thing, but just nice atmosphere, you know, sharing it with the fans. You know, it's just something that I feel like everyone's been missing. Doug Ford extended the stay at home order until June 2nd here in Ontario. So that impacts uh, mainly the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, uh, you know, I wonder if that could mean there is no fans in the stands for any Canadian teams. You know, you know, Alberta has their own uh, COVID problems. So maybe Edmonton uh, during one point can submit a plan for 5k fans or something like that. But, you know, we could be, uh, you know, without the fans in the stands for the whole playoffs. And that would shock me. Yeah. And it would also create such a disadvantage because, uh, you know, last year in the bubble, no one had you know, no one had that home ice advantage. There were no fans. But if, if there ends up being a series between a Canadian team and an American team and, you know, the Canadian team is going back to play in front of no fans. And, you know, when they're on the road, it's a, an electric building. I feel like, you know, that's going to play such a role. So, you know, hopefully at some point in time, there's a plan to have some fans, you know, in the building. And, uh, you know, building on that point, I just want to throw this out here. Like we've, you know, with, you know, the playoffs starting on Saturday, Sunday, now Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? That's four complete days that we're going to have playoffs with fans. And now on, sorry, on Wednesdays, the Edmonton Oilers and Jets series starts. So we should like three, four complete days and with fans in the stands. And now we're going to abruptly switch to no fans. Like that's going to be a really weird and hard transition. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the Flames and Canucks game last night wasn't a playoff game, but, you know, it, it came on right after the Panthers game and it was just felt so dull with no fans in the crowd after watching, you know, a full day of hockey, full day of fans in the crowd. On Friday, Artem Zub signed a two and a half or a two and a half two year contract extension with Ottawa uh, and the Sens announced they are moving on from Marcus Hogberg. And, you know, so Artem Zub, uh, I thought he was good, uh, you know, until, you know, Shabbat got injured, but that kind of put more pressure on him. But, yeah, I think he played a great role with Ottawa in their young team. Uh, and, you know, with on the Ottawa goalie uh, point there, it seems like all the goalies kind of had a tryout to see who would stick with the team. So that's a question that Pierre Dorian has to answer, you know, with the expansion draft. Like, which goalie do you expose and which goalie do you, which goalies do you uh, protect or goalie? Yeah, exactly. You know, they had quite a carousel. So they had, you know, an array of goalies to look at. Um, and, you know, the podcast friend, Joey Decord, hopefully he's, you know, keeps his job within the organization. I thought Hogberg played, you know, solid when he was in net. Uh, you know, not, it's, it's sad that they're moving on from him, but hopefully he's able to, you know, find a position within the league. Casey DeSmith left Penguins practice in pain after making a save. And, you know, he's the backup for the Penguins. But, you know, it's the worst time possible for this injury because, you know, you, you simply you can't with the Penguins, right? They don't have that much goalie depth, you know, behind DeSmith. You have Maxime Legacy. And I don't think Mike Johnson really trusts 
Maxim legacy in a game if Jari does get injured. So you're, now you're now that's so much pressure on Jari to you know hopefully he's a hundred percent because he was dealing with a nagging injury and now you got the Smith your backup who's out. So I don't know like that's that's a tough situation that Pittsburgh is in. Yeah, exactly. When they won the cup in 2016, 2017, a big part of that was because they had, you know, two starting caliber goalies in Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury. And it was kind of, you know, whoever's healthy, whoever's playing well is going to get the start. And, you know, they don't have that flexibility this year. So it could be a real issue for them. And, you know, Alain Vigneault is going to return as Flyers head coach. And I think a lot of, you know, people in the Flyers fandom, you know, kind of were surprised by this. Uh, they didn't really like some of the coaching decisions he was making this season. Um, but I think, you know, this year was very like, like the Flyers and Rangers are two teams that were that we were expecting a good season. Right. We were expecting them to continue to build on to their seasons uh, last year that they had before the bubble. And they just got dealt a bad division. You know, we the four teams in the playoffs right now from the east are the four teams that you know anyone could have expected so i think the flyers and rangers are destined to you know build on to their you know better seasons next year when we get back to regular divisions yeah and i think you know you just look for experience i think vignoles you know a solid head coach he's led you know two teams to the stanley cup finals uh hasn't won one but you know vancouver in 2011 and uh the rangers in 2014 so, you know, he has that experience and hopefully he's the right guy for Philadelphia. But, you know, two bad seasons in a row and you'll look to, you know, cut him off next season. Fan capacity is expanding to 9K fans for the Blues and actually the Kaniacs, the Carolina Hurricanes, are going full capacity for the playoffs. And, you know, with the Canes, they do the storm surge and with the Blues and, you know, maybe they'll be singing Gloria uh, more often than uh, the last time they were in the playoffs. Yeah, full capacity for the Hurricanes is just great. You know, they already won their division and now they got the fans coming back. You know, they, they could be a threat to come out of the Central. Uh, as for the Blues, you know, they're playing Colorado. So, you know, they got a tough road ahead. But, you know, having the fans back, I think St. Louis, uh, you know, is one of those, you know, Midwestern uh, American teams that, you know, ha has a has a pretty loyal fan base and would like to have them back in the crowd. On Saturday, uh, you know, we learned that Caulfield is practicing with the extras uh, in the Habs. Uh, that was their first practice as they prepare for round one against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, you know, like we mentioned, uh, he was practicing with the extras on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, my thought process here, there's two theories I have. One is that Ducharme is, you know, has already talked to Caulfield over the weekend and said, all right, look, you know, we're going to disguise you as... Uh, you know, someone we're not going to play. We're going to put you in a gray jersey. So it gives the team the idea that we're not playing you. Um, and, you know, we're going to activate you on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday's practice or Thursday's practice. Uh, and my other theory is that, you know, the lead, or the Habs are going to try and play to uh, a close to as a shutdown role as what Columbus did in the bubble last, uh, last summer. So, uh, you know, those are two theories. I think they're two great theories based on what I've seen around in Habs fandom. So we'll see, uh, you know, that's a lot of speculating. Yeah, you know, we'll see in the coming days what they actually choose to do. But, you know, Caulfield is just an exciting player, you know, pretty much the highlight of the last couple of weeks for the Montreal Canadiens and their fans. But, uh, you know, if he, if he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Vitek Vanacek uh, left the Capitals game with a lower body injury and did not return. Craig Anderson got his first playoff victory since May 23rd, 2017. 
And, it, you know, it was a great opening night for the playoffs. You know, Oshie, again, was a game-time decision. And he got the puck to the net for Nick Dowd to tip it in. And that was actually a first uh, career playoff OT goal for the Alabama boy, Nick Dowd. Uh, and now Anderson is actually the oldest Caps goalie to win a playoff game in franchise history. So, you know, the, even the Capitals are dealing with some, uh, you know, some questions in net because uh, Ilya Samsonov, he is uh, off the COVID list, right? But his conditioning isn't up there since he's been on the COVID list for like the past, you know, week, week and a half. So question is, do because I think they called up Fucali actually over the weekend. My buddy Curtis Lee sent me something on Instagram. And so my question is, do they trust Anderson for game two or do they look to Fucali? Yeah, no, exactly. I think, you know, the Vanacek injury kind of, you know, really puts a lot of question marks in the air. Craig Anderson, you know, he's been successful, but like you mentioned, it's his first playoff victory in four years. Uh, so, you know, how ready is he to make a deep run? You look at the Bruins last season, you know, it wasn't an injury, but, you know, Tuka Rask went down and Yaroslav Halak is not a bad goalie, but, you know, the Bruins just weren't the same team without their starting goalie. So definitely could have an impact, but, you know, Anderson was great in that game one. So, you know, I'm expecting him to get the game two start. The Blue Jackets asked if Seth Jones wanted an extension. His contract ends after next season, and he's 26 years old right now. And personally, I don't see him sticking around in Columbus uh, much longer in what could become a rebuild. So I think, you know, the time for moving on from Seth Jones is coming. Yeah, you know, Zach Wierenski, you know, when his contract was up, he signed a bridge deal. And I think Jones is definitely going to be looking for, you know, as long term with as much money as possible. Uh, you know, Columbus traded, you know, Ryan Johansson for him, you know, a few years back. And I think, you know, they're the clear victors of that trade. You know, Jones just has a better impact on the Columbus team than Johansson does for the Predators. But, you know, that's a piece that you want to lock up long term. And, you know, hopefully they're able to do that because, you know, if they lose a piece like that, you know, it's really going to put them back a few years in the rebuild. On Sunday, it was the first career playoff start for Ilya Sorokin and his first career win. Uh, and, you know, Varlamov is injured. Same with Malkin, actually. So Gino Malkin was also uh, injured. So I'm not sure if he's taking line rushes uh, today during practice, but that's a huge blow for that Penguins top six. And when he does return from his injury, what version of Malkin are we going to get? How, you know, will the Penguins rush him back or do they have enough depth to sustain the injury until Malkin gets 100%? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, the Penguins in 2016, 2017, you can even go all the way back to 2009. But, you know, Evgeny Malkin was an integral part of those cup runs. And, you know, I don't think, you know, they're a, I don't think they're as much of a contender, you know, without him. You know, they've been able to do well in the regular season, you know, with a lot of man games missed. But, you know, you want everyone healthy for the playoffs and especially a guy like Evgeny Malkin, you know, just to, you know, spread the scoring a little bit and, you know, because they have Brian Rust playing with Sidney Crosby and Gensel. I'm not sure if, you know, Rust goes with Malkin if he comes back, but it was definitely, you know, a, a big loss for the Penguins and, you know, a big reason why they couldn't get it done in game one. Jack Campbell is going to enter the Leafs playoff series as the starter. Uh, I expect the same from Price, uh, but, you know, it, this doesn't come as a surprise to me after what we saw with Freddie Anderson uh, against Ottawa and in his American League uh, conditioning stint. So, uh, you know, Campbell, phenomenal season, uh, you know, hats off to him because he really came in relief of Anderson and, you know, was really saving that ship from burning, essentially. 
Yeah, and you know, it was a move made at the deadline in 2020, so a year ago. Um, but you know, a really smart move to bring in Jack Campbell because you know, I don't think the Leafs. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they would have made the playoffs, figured out a way. But you know, with a guy like Michael Hutchinson starting as many games as Jack Campbell, I don't think they're going to be you know as successful as they were this year. Mark Andre Fleury became the first ever goalie to appear in 15 straight postseason games. Uh, that's obviously a, a large part due to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. But, you know, a lot of people wrote off Marc-Andre Fleury uh, this season after getting exposed by Pittsburgh. And, you know, a lot of people were saying like, yeah, I don't think Fleury still has it. Well, I think game one against Minnesota really proved uh, those people wrong. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, they the Pittsburgh Penguins chose Matt Murray over Marc-Andre Fleury. But, you know, had they have done things different, you know, maybe I, I think that has a huge impact on the league because with Matt Murray, you know, even though he was, you know, quote unquote elite back then, you know, with that first year Vegas team, I don't think they make it to the cup final. And, you know, maybe you're looking at Pittsburgh knocking off Washington in that second round and potentially three-peating. Nikita Kucherov made an impact in the Sunshine State showdown uh, with two goals, two power play goals. Stamkos returned with two assists. And, you know, a lot of people are taking to social media saying that Tampa circumvented the cap. And, you know, I, I think that's true. However, Nikita Kucherov was uh, coming from off-season hip surgery. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm no doctor by any means. Uh, but I think the severity of his injury was quite large. So, I, you know, I think that uh, Kucherov did take the necessary steps to make sure he was 100% healthy. Yeah, you know, Tampa was able to find a loophole and, you know, credit to them, they were able to, you know, put Kucherov on that LTIR and, you know, re-sign their guys like Sorelli and Sergachev at the start of the year. And then, you know, mid-season, they put Stamkos on the LTIR when he got hurt and it allowed them to go get a guy like uh, David Savard. So, you know, they're a really stacked team heading into this playoffs. You know, they won the cup last year and, uh, you know, two goals on the power play for Kucherov, that Tampa power play just looks like it's not going to be stopped. So, you know, teams have to be super disciplined when they're playing Tampa. Speaking of conditioning stints, uh, Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher are going to the Laval Rocket, the Habs American team, uh, just to make sure that their conditioning is up to par and, you know, get them some game action since they've been uh, out of games for close to over a couple months now. Yeah, you know, just heading into the playoffs, uh, I think it was announced Price is going to play half the game. It's going to be a weird sight for a lot of people seeing him in any other jersey than a Habs jersey. You know, it's the AHL, uh, AHL team, but, you know, I think it's the right move. And hopefully they're able to, you know, get a little bit of freshness and energy in themselves and be ready for game one on Thursday. Bo Horvat hit 500 games uh, on Sunday. And, you know, that's a huge accomplishment to him. And I, and I hope that the Vancouver Canucks find their way um, past, uh, you know, this, this horrible season that they've had. Uh, and, you know, maybe they, hopefully they fired Benning. I think it would be for the best for him to be released. No, yeah, I think Benning leaving is, you know, something that should happen this offseason. You know, he, he's, he, for every two bad moves he makes, he, he makes one good move and, you know, people think that he's fine. But, you know, to the fans, when you look at his resume as a whole, he's just, you know, had, had a lot of bad contracts. You know, he, he likes to give term a lot to people um, and some of their contracts are still biting them. Uh, so, you know, Bo Horvat, you know, incredible to hit 500 games. He's the captain of the future and hopefully, you know, he doesn't have to, you know, be under Jim Benning for much longer. 
Moving on to Pegs' predictions of Tuesday's games, we got four games on the docket. Three are playoff games, and we obviously have the one uh, regular season game. So I got Flames over Canucks. I got the Penguins taking uh, game two over the Islanders. I got the Panthers over the Lightning and the Golden Knights over the Wild. Uh, I'll go with the Flames over the Canucks. You know, they pretty much dominated the Canucks up until late third. Um, uh, I'll go with the I'll go with the Penguins over the Islanders as well. Um, I can definitely see the Islanders taking this game. You know, uh, but I, I feel like it's a must-win game for the Penguins because if it's two nothing heading into New York, you know, it, it, they're going to start getting flashbacks of getting swept. You know, a couple seasons ago, um, I'll, I'll take the Panthers over the Lightning. Uh, you know, I, I want to see that series be tied as well. And you know, let's let's go with an upset. You know. Suddenly, Minnesota Wild up 2-0 on Vegas takes all the air out of the Vegas crowd. Um, and, you know, Talbot stands on his head once again. And, you know, they're up 2-0 heading back to Minnesota. Well, I'd like to thank again Nolan Thode for joining me on another edition of Down to the Wire. It's always a pleasure. Valedictorian pegs. <laughs>